This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So we got a whole crop of uh, Republicans who look like they're running for president, vying for the nomination. Donald Trump, I thought, was running. He is running. One of these career politicians, they actually think they can stop him. Maybe they can. I mean, politics is not a meritocracy after all, but America still is. They had a show and tell this weekend at a, uh, an event in Las Vegas. It's a great organization, but these folks turn me off big time. You tell me, are you impressed? Let's start with Nikki Haley. You know, the swamp loves Nikki Haley. They think, oh, wow, it's interesting. I mean, her parents came from India, right? Uh, as if that's novel, as if that's significant. I don't think it is anymore. We don't care what you look like or where you came from. It's can you deliver and can you at least be straight with us and maybe not talk to us like we're little kids? And if Biden succeeds in getting back in the Iran deal, I will make you a promise. I've said it before. The next president will shred it on her first day in office. For now, I'll say this. I've won tough primaries and tough general elections. I've been the underdog every single time. When people underestimate me, it's always fun. But I've never lost an election, and I'm not going to start now. Isn't she cute? Uh, I'm not buying it. I'm sorry. What I saw, a career politician doing what career politicians do, claiming credit for the sun coming up. We made South Carolina number one in foreign investment in the entire country. And by the time I left, we were building planes with Boeing. We were building more BMWs than any place in the world. We had recruited Mercedes-Benz, Volvo. We had five international tire companies. And our unemployment had hit a 15-year low. They were referring to us as the beast of the Southeast, which I loved. Who really said that? Who really used that corny line? I don't believe anybody. And all those things that she said happened by the time she left actually were happening before she even got there. Let's go through it, please. BMW. Yeah, she was uh, the governor from 11 to 17 until she took a job with the Trump administration. More on that in a moment. But BMW, they started operations in June of 1992. I think she was possibly in high school at the time. Let's see. What's next here? Uh, oh, Mercedes-Benz. They started building their facility in 2006. And it's official. Boeing has landed in North Charleston. That's from a press release in October of 2009. Two years before she got there. But there they go, right? Career politicians. I'm not saying she's lying, but she's uh, lying. 
There's always so much. Uh, it's phony. And how about this weird moment? Very undiplomatic for a former U.N. ambassador. But standing up to Israel should never be partisan. Standing up to Israel. She wanted to say standing up for Israel. This was a pro-Israel Jewish event, leadership conference. She got that one wrong. How about that, huh? And all that time at the United Nations, you know, putting your hand up for those big votes and looking like you're ultra, ultra important. It's a great gig. And who gave it to her? Donald Trump. Yeah, she was thrilled. And now, well, look, loyalty means something to us in the real world. But in politics, it doesn't really mean much at all. And that brings us to Ted Cruz. I like Ted Cruz. He's very, very talented, total brainiac. But he's a little off in other areas. Um, and he gets on that stage. This is, this is self-centered even for a politician. Donald Trump would never talk actually like this. Take a look. I went straight to the president, made the case vigorously. And the day we opened the embassy, I was there in Jerusalem. I went repeatedly to the president. The day the Abraham Accords were assigned, when I was signed, I was at the White House. I didn't believe that, so I drafted legislation in 2019. I cleared 32 of the nominees. In January of this year, we had that vote. I stood on the Senate floor and said, if you don't pass this, we will see tanks in the streets of Kiev. In December of 2019... I brought together Republicans and Democrats, and then I did the same thing in the House with the same eight players there. All 16 came together behind my legislation. <laughs> you see, the problem he has, we have to take his word for it. I'm sure he did all those things, but they don't resonate because we didn't see it. Now he's telling us about it in a rather, you know, braggy kind of way. We didn't see it, but we saw Donald Trump build those buildings and we saw what he achieved as president. So his cell is going to be a lot tougher than Donald Trump's. I'll get to the president in a moment. And then from Ted Cruz, I'm sorry, are you a senator? Are you a presidential candidate or are you some social media media wannabe? Three years ago, I launched a podcast. It's called Verdict with Ted Cruz. We do it three days a week. It became the number one ranked podcast in the world. We've had over 50 million downloads. Every week we beat CNN, their morning show. I want to ask everyone here to do something. I want to ask you to pull out your cell phone right now and text the word verdict to 24005. Let me give you that number again. It's 24005. Text the word verdict. What you'll get back is a link to subscribe for free. I just, this is not senatorial. It's definitely not presidential. There's something very, very off about it. Look, someday he could be president, 10, 15, 20 years. What's the rush, Ted? You got time and you got some growing up to do. Sorry. Oh, here's, uh, here's somebody. Oh, boy. Give it up, Chris Christie. Look at him take that stage. Slow down, Chris. You could hurt yourself. Um, he gets there and made this very, very insulting comparison, quite frankly, to those of us who believe in Donald Trump, have doubts about the 2020 election, and it's okay to have doubts about the 2020 election, that we're like the John Birch Society. That was a way right-wing, totally bigoted group back in the 50s and 60s. He said it's like the same thing, and everybody has a choice. Either go with you know, Trump or you're a John Bircher. You might as well just call us 
MAGA deplorables. Take a look. Our party was in a very similar position in my mind 60 years ago. We also had conflict inside the party. And what was driven that time was driven by the John Birch Society. I think we're at a time for choosing right now. We are at a time for choosing. It is not to be left up to others to decide who our party is. It's not to be left up to any one person to decide who our party is. It is up to us. Uh, very profound, very profound. You know, Chris, it seems like you want to. Just call us deplorables. Remember when Hillary did that? We actually grew to like the label. But I know what you're getting at, and it's wrong and very, very insulting and unfair. You know, Chris is allowed to do whatever he wants, but uh, we have to play by his rules, according to him. For all people who say they're supporters of President Trump, the line begins behind me. I started that, but let me tell you something else. We can no longer talk about the past and the past elections. No matter. Okay, you can't talk about the past anymore. Until Chris Christie wants to tell you about what a big shot he was back in 2009. In 2009, when I announced for governor of New Jersey, a state that has not supported a Republican presidential candidate for 35 years, a state that has not elected a Republican to the United States Senate in 50 years, the longest streak of any state in America, a pretty blue state. George W. Bush's approval ratings in New Jersey as he left office were 18%. 18%. On election day of 2009, Barack Obama's approval ratings in New Jersey were plus 21. Plus 21. All right, and you, get, you get, right? He's some sort of miracle worker, right? Everybody likes Chris. Uh, he's the only Republican who could ever break through in New Jersey. It didn't hurt that Chris had an opponent who was <laughs> this close to getting indicted for financial crimes. Easy does it, Chris. Now, he is not acting like a, a particularly smart politician. Something happened to Chris Christie. It could have been this night. Remember when he stared at Donald Trump for about 20 minutes? It was the weirdest thing anybody ever saw. Uh, something's happened to Chris Christie, although I've never really been that much of a fan. We'll see what happens. Oh, I forgot about this. This is what, yeah. So Hurricane Sandy strikes. And he, am I talking about Chris Christie too much? Maybe I am. But anyway, there, there, there's this moment. And I, I don't blame him for this. He's the president of the United States, shakes his hand. You know, there's a hurricane. You've got to brief the president on what's going on. And that's fine. Yes, Election Day is a couple of days away. But Chris Christie is governor. He's got he's to deal with the storm. I have no problem with this moment whatsoever. I do have a problem with the dis. He went out of his way. This guy was rooting for Romney to lose. Over the last couple of months, you have uh, appeared throughout the country, uh, Governor, on behalf of Mitt Romney, uh, talking him up for President of the United States. I know uh, President uh, off the campaign trail today, although we hear that perhaps he's going to, uh, Mr. Romney may do some storm-related uh, events. Is there any possibility that uh, Governor Romney may go to New Jersey to tour some of the damage with you? I have no idea, nor am I the least bit concerned or interested. He has no, not interested. He's blowing off a person 
who in a matter of days conceivably could have been the president-elect of the United States, Mitt Romney. No interest, could care less. Wow, what a tough guy, huh? Sticking it to Mitt Romney while he embraces Barack Obama. Now, this is why I have the problem with the hug. Cozy, cozy with that guy. You got to pay respect to the man who might be president in a couple of months, who might be president-elect. I have no use for this guy. Now, let's move on to Ron DeSantis. Hey, everybody loves Ron DeSantis, and he's on a roll right now. And I do think and I hope that he's president of the United States someday, 10 years, maybe even less, but not this time. And he's a little bit too high on his own supply. Let the politics sort itself out. I am totally fine with receiving this incoming fire because I'm standing for the people that I represent and I am saving their jobs, their businesses and their kids' education. And that is the most important thing to do. When you show people you're willing to fight for them, they will walk over broken glass barefoot to come vote for you. And that's exactly what they did for me on November 8th in record numbers. You, know, you see how he's going too far with it? He's just getting it. He's, the, the ego could do him in. He's got to be careful. He had a great election victory. Congratulations. Let's take a look at the results. Okay, yeah, 20 points. That is significant. But you know what? It happens fairly routinely in politics. And sometimes we over-reward these guys. Oh, look at what they did to the Democrat. George W. Bush, yeah. A lot of folks were dazzled by that performance and... You know the rest. Jeb Bush. Oh, they were blown away. He really beat that Democrat in Florida. How about this? Elliot Spitzer. Yeah, he he trounced his opponent. And it goes on and on like this. Arnold Schwarzenegger. We all know what a turncoat this guy is. Was always in it for himself. Andrew Cuomo. Very recently. Wow, look at that. Look at that. So just because you beat your opponent doesn't mean all that much. Even if you clobber him this decisively. Again, I like Ron DeSantis, but... I'm seeing flashes of career politician, and I do not like career politicians. We also have chosen law and order over rioting in disorder. When you had the riots break out in 2020, I called out the National Guard immediately in the state of Florida. We had state law enforcement ready to go. We were not going to let the state of Florida burn to the ground like so many other cities across this country. Uh, Florida had problems like lots of other places had problems. You can say whatever you want now, but uh, this is Tampa in the middle of it all. Uh, I, I was down there for a portion of it. This was there was tough stuff going on down there. Uh, there were police getting beat up all the time. It was tough. And now he's claiming that somehow it didn't happen or they were above average in their response. I don't think so. I don't, but this is what career politicians do can't just take some earnest, real accomplishment and sell that. you got to kick it up a notch. That brings me to Paul Ryan. Remember him? Desperately needs a haircut. And uh, here he is on the sidelines. Doesn't break a sweat for anybody right now as he works on his first half billion dollars as being the ex-speaker of the House of Representatives. And uh, he can say whatever he wants. This is who he really is. What we now know, it's pretty clear, is with Trump, we lose. We have a much lower majority in the House um, because of that Trump factor. So I think it's just, it's palpable right now. We, we get past Trump, we start winning elections. We stick with Trump, we keep losing elections. That's just how I see it. 
You know what I mean about the haircut, right? Uh, it is wild that this man can point to Donald Trump and use the L word. He lost a debate to Joe Biden. Yes, he did. He was a nervous little bunny rabbit that night. And he, along with Mitt Romney, lost to Barack Obama and Joe Biden. How about that one? Um, but I'll give this to Paul and to Mitt Romney. I guess they are traditional. It's a word that Paul likes. Traditional establishment. That's, that's more important than anything. I think we would have clearly have won the Senate had we had um, traditional Republicans in the general election like these governors did. I think we would have won places like Arizona, places like Pennsylvania, um, New Hampshire, um, had we had a, a typical traditional conservative Republican, uh, not a Trump Republican. Wow, huh? He just wants things to be the way they used to be. Maybe if Paul, with his beautiful hair and his suits, went out there and stumped for some of these Republicans instead of just throwing pot shots from the side, huh? We like these people who are not career politicians, or I do, okay? And I don't like how you've institutionalized and monetized being an ex-speaker of the House. He has. Even the people who worked with him are making all kinds of money. Take a look at this guy. His name is uh, uh, Buck. Is that it? Ken Buck. And he has a big job at a lobby. Brendan Buck. Big job at a lobbying firm. His claim to fame is that he used to work for uh, Paul Ryan when he was Speaker of the House. Now he gets to go on television and be a, be a star on the airplane. Uh, he gets really excited when people take their picture and he's on the airplane. You know what I mean? Like, that. Ooh, wow, isn't that fun? And what does he do when he's on these shows? He makes confessions that maybe in retrospect he wishes he had not said out loud. Listen to this one. They're going to do everything they can to undermine this process. And I will tell you. when Who's I, they, though? Uh, House Republicans. Okay. N newly in the majority, newly with, with committee hearings that they can call. Is that a call. good focus? It, it's absolutely not. But I will tell you, when I was on the Hill working for Speaker Ryan, we spent an incredible amount of time behind the scenes trying to get our members not to undermine the Mueller investigation. They wanted to do things. They wanted to try to hmm. meddle in that and we had to say hard no. Like, we can't do this. This is important. I don't know that the current House of Representatives is set up to, to be that disciplined. How about that? Paul Ryan and his lackey here fighting to make sure that the Russia hoax continued. Can't talk about Bob Mueller. No, that's a sacrosanct uh, process. Oh, is it? It was a hoax that went on that almost sabotaged the presidency. And you guys, the way I see it, you're the co-conspirators. All right. Now, at that event in Las Vegas uh, for Jewish leaders, none of these people, by the way, career politicians, they were so ungracious, actually. They really were in their own way. They did not thank the leaders in a, in a sincere or appropriate manner. I want to skip down to where President Trump, right, the non-politician, oh my gosh, what will he say next? He was perfect, better than them, especially on the basics, like acknowledging the hosts and who brought you there and what it's all about. I want to thank you also, and it's an honor to be with you. I've been with you many times and speak with everybody at the Republican Jewish Coalition. I want to thank Matt Brooks and Norm Coleman very, very much, and also the members and staff and supporters of the RJC for their tireless work advancing our values and for their incredible devotion to the Jewish community and to the Republican Party. Presidential, right? That's what you're supposed to do. The other ones, they were just falling all over themselves to talk about themselves. They were so desperate to be liked, especially when they didn't have too much to show for what they have done or not done regarding Israel.
President Trump has done everything. Under my administration, we fought for Israel and the Jewish community like no president in history. You both know that, and everybody in the room knows that. I was proud to be the greatest friend Israel has ever had in the White House. Officially recognized the eternal capital of Israel and opened the American embassy in Jerusalem. I also recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights, something that most people didn't even ask me to do because they thought it was impossible. 52 years they were working on that. I got it done in one day. <laughs> one day. And again, this is resonating. This is landing because he's talking about stuff that he's done that we saw when Ted Cruz and Nikki Haley, they're just, that's hot air. This is substance. When we come back, oh, they're sending a crazy protester to jail for 15 months. It's a shockingly small sentence for somebody, well, who carried out domestic terror against police in New York City. We'll be right back. Hey, this happened one year ago today, that beautiful parade they were having in Wisconsin, and this madman drives right through it. He was convicted of uh, multiple counts of murder and uh, is going to be in jail for a long, long time, uh, forever, actually. And that happened one year ago today. And the victims, uh, they range from an eight-year-old kid to an 81-year-old man. Uh, so terrible and so ignored. This story was ignored by the media, certainly by our president and the administration. Why? Well, because the killer was a black identity extremist. He was motivated in part by racial hate. And they had a problem because he was a black guy and the victims are white and that's not part of their narrative. But whenever they can hang somebody on a white individual and somehow portray it as white supremacy, Joe and Kamala literally go running. They jumped on Air Force One to go to Atlanta, no matter what the FBI told them, no matter what local law enforcement told them. You know, several people were massacred by a lunatic. They said that there was not a racial component to it. They refused to accept that and went down there and tried to make a racial issue out of it anyway. Now, take a look at this person. Uh, here she is, actually a lawyer back in the summer of 2020. You know what she's uh, about to do? Throw a Molotov cocktail at a police van. Yep. She got just 15 months in prison. 15 months. At one point, she was a practicing attorney, no kidding, here in New York City. Uh, the judge gave her a bit of a pep talk at the sentencing. The judge actually said this out loud in open court. You're a remarkable person who did a terrible thing on one night. Wow, so special, except for that one terrorist act. I wonder if that's true, though, because she seems like a pretty crazy, horrible terrorist to me. This is how she talked just before she threw the bomb. This protest is a long time coming. People have been frustrated and angry. The murder of Eric Garner, the murder of Breonna Taylor, the murder of George Floyd, the murder of Ahmaud Arbery, the list goes on and on. This won't ever stop unless we take it all down. She's going to burn it all down, huh? Uh, but she's a nice person most of the time. I don't accept that. I do would actually give a guy named Lonnie the benefit of the doubt here. Do you know about him? 
Lonnie Kaufman. He was sentenced to 46 months, and he didn't throw a Molotov cocktail. Now, Lonnie Kaufman, can I see him on January 6th? Just walking around, basically, minding his own business. There he is. What's going on there? Well, <laughs> he had a Molotov cocktail, but he left it in his car. He didn't throw it at anybody. He certainly didn't throw it at the police. And he got 46 months in jail. And the judge said he was the worst person in the world. I mean, the way they've treated this January 6th people is horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Take a look at this guy. He is the new prosecutor, right? The special prosecutor, the special counsel looking into Trump. I don't trust him one bit. I'm sorry. You know, when you're a prosecutor, when you're a career prosecutor, they say you're a hammer and every case looks like a nail. The idea that he's going to be independent of the Justice Department is ludicrous. And he has an overly broad mandate from uh, Attorney General Garland to, I don't possibly go after all kinds of people in addition to the president. The special counsel will conduct parts of the first investigation I just mentioned. The investigation into whether any person or entity unlawfully interfered with the transfer of power following the 2020 presidential election or with the certification of the Electoral College vote held on or about January 6th. I missed this part on Friday. He seems to be talking about people who stood up and lawfully objected to the electoral count. And under the Electoral Count Act of 1887 in our Constitution, you're allowed to do that. Paul Gosar, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, a whole bunch of people stood up. Are they going to be prosecuted? That's where this seems to be going. And if that happens, if they go after these patriots, and like Josh Hawley, like I mentioned, maybe retroactively they should go after Barbara Boxer, who back in 2004, as a senator from California, stood up and objected to the electoral count. She said there was funny business in Ohio regarding the election. It is her constitutional right, and under the law, the pre she was allowed to do this. And so was Jamie Raskin in 2017. He did the same thing. Uh, we already talked about Boxer. Uh, let's see, who else did this? Uh, the Congressional Black Caucus in 2001. It wasn't just uh, Congresswoman Corrine Brown, about 18 or so stood up and objected. This is crazy stuff, but this looks like a crazy guy. I'm sorry. I just, the getup is, is hard for me to come to terms with. And so is his record. Remember Governor McDonnell of Virginia, Republican? He was prosecuted, uh, and this Jack Smith guy supervised the prosecution. <laughs> 11 counts of corruption, but everybody kind of understood that, wait a second, you're convicting this guy for being a politician. It was such a strange case. And once the United States Supreme Court got a look at it, they threw it out eight to zero. So I don't have a good feeling about this new special prosecutor at all. Hey, stay with us. Did you see this guy over the weekend, maybe on social media? His name is Matt Baker. And he stood up and spoke powerfully and boldly and beautifully about possible malfeasance in the Arizona gubernatorial election. What could have gone wrong there? We'll be right back. Well, crime is out of control all across the country. Really, really bad here in New York City. People getting pushed in front of subway cars all the time. This happened very, very rarely. It happened, but it was so rare. And crazy stuff happening in the subway as well. Crime is up across the board. If you point this out, though, on social media, 
Watch out. Maybe one of the left's greatest superstars of the moment may call you out. Have you heard of uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones? She is the queen of the left right now because she came out with this horrendously idiotic 1619 project. Uh, totally botches American history and tries to portray America as a fundamentally racist place. Anyway, <laughs> she got offended the other day and called out our next guest. First, let's meet her, Yachin Chu. She is the co-founder and president of the Asian Wave Alliance. That's a nonpartisan political club for Asian American New Yorkers. Uh, Madam, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. You bet. You bet. So first off, we've got your tweet in the exchange, and it's fascinating to me on a couple of uh, levels here. But tell us a little bit about what happened to you on the subway, what you observed. I was on my commute home from Manhattan to Brooklyn, and at the uh, Atlantic subway stop, um, a man and his companion came in and started speaking very loudly. Um, Turned into, you know, something that I think alarmed a lot of the riders on the train car with me. He made threats to harm her, and I, I think we were just all taken aback, and I started moving toward the, toward the exit. That train ride was very long until the next station where I got off and switched cars, and then I got into a very stinky car. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have been in similar situations. It's one of the reasons why I don't take the subway anymore, quite frankly. It's been several months, and if there's a way to avoid it, I... But some of us, I, I can't stand paying for cabs, so I know. <laughs> Let's put up the tweet. You, you documented this, as a lot of us would, on social media, and you put up a tweet. It said uh, kind of what you just described. You paid two seventy five. that's the fare, to be in a subway car with a loud and aggressive man threatening to hit his female partner, switch cars at next stop to be in a public toilet, urine odor, crowded car for the rest of my ride. This is Kathy Hochul and New York City Mayor's NYC. Uh, good for you. Hey, actually, before... How did that woman fare? Was she is was she was she punched? You know, they were no, just- no. I, it was just very loud. It was threats. Um, nothing I witnessed. As a matter of fact, I couldn't see them. I I only heard them because it was actually a pretty crowded subway car in the middle of the afternoon. All right. So you uh, wrote what you wrote on Twitter, and then Nicole Hannah Jones, who is one of the biggest stars of uh, the leftist media in America and at the New York Times, took offense. And she wrote the following tweet. Yes, yes, this was absolutely unheard on subways until two years ago. Uh, I, I, all kinds of implications there. You're being overly sensitive. You are being uh, who knows. Well, let me ask you, what was your takeaway? What did you think when that happened? I was kind of surprised. I'm like, oh, oh, gosh, I, I don't like to be retweeted by someone that has a very large following because um, I think a signal to people who followed her to come and attack me. That was how I saw it. And um, and the comments came. I I took it as a snarky comment. She doesn't like me. Um, she knows of me in our fight for specialized high school, which started, you know, when de Blasio was still in office. And uh, and she follows me. And I guess she was looking at the phone and the, my tweet caught her attention. So she, I think, was having a little fun. Now, I mean, let's face it, it's okay. Social media, we go there to mix it up and trade ideas. And sometimes you go viral and uh, sometimes you get criticism. And you you are allowed to do that. 
Let me just ask you this, though, because being cyberbullied can be traumatizing, especially if you don't, you know, get cyberbullied every day. <laughs> so what how bad was the backlash? Was it really intense? Is it over now? I mean, were there death threats? Sometimes you hear about things. No, like that. no, no, it, yeah. it's not. I, I, you know, I think if you're going to be on Twitter, you need to kind of deal with some of the crazy stuff that that people say. Um, I, Honestly, most of the comments were okay. They're people that live their alternate realities, and I live my reality. Um, you know, there were comments uh, mocking me for maybe just moving to New York, being a new immigrant, being a tourist, not really understanding how long I actually have lived in the city. And having been here since the 1970s and taking the subway, uh, by myself commuting to high school since the 1980s, I, I, I honestly do know what the reality of New York City subways have been through the decades. And let's point and, out that, I'm sorry, Nicole Hannah-Jones got here, well, she's a newcomer compared to you, very, very uh, recently, born in Iowa in 1976, got here about a, about a decade ago. And some folks I've noticed if they come from other parts of America to New York, uh, they think that, oh, the, the, it's charming down there, a little bit of grit, a little bit of grime, a little bit of crime. You know, it's what they saw on TV when they were growing up, and somehow they think that's part of the deal. Um, look, it's gotten worse. Right, right, right. Um, any, further, any further communication between the two of you? Mm, not for me. <laughs> okay, all right. And do me a favor, in the time we have left, just give us an update because... There is this, there was, I remember under de Blasio, a push to get rid of these competitive high schools. You have to take a test to get in. These are okay. amazing schools, and the best and the brightest do get in there. Um, and he wanted to do away with those, and I think Eric Adams has been all over the map on it. Where are we now? Uh, we're okay. Um, I think he and Chancellor Banks are going to work on improving the schools in New York City, and it doesn't seem like they have our their crosshairs on the specialized high schools. So I think we're okay uh, from them, but we'll see what the New York State legislators do in this upcoming session. Yeah, Tin Shu, thank you very much. Uh, you can find her on Twitter, occasionally <laughs> at YCIN New York. Yeah, Chin in New York. Uh, I think we have it right there. And let's go ahead and put your Twitter up if you don't mind as well. Hey, look, if you can avoid the uh, subway, Please. Is it an option for you? It's hard. It's cheap. It's convenient. It's fast. Um, it's tough to avoid it being a New Yorker. I, I understand. Um, but I'll try to stay safe. <laughs> okay. Stay safe and stay in touch. We'll be right back. If you've had it with the old news. And the same spent. Well, then Spicer and Company's your place. For the inside story. And for the facts that you need to know. Hey, the race between uh, Carrie Lake and Katie Hobbs may not be over after all. Uh, they're still finding all kinds of crazy things in Maricopa County. This thing in my book, has not been resolved. Now, the AP and other authorities have called it for Katie Hobbs. Very, very close race. Guess what? Katie's in charge of uh, Katie's in charge of the election. And look at what happened on Election Day. All kinds of delays, all kinds of screw-ups all over the place. A lot of people were told, chose, hey, we can't stay online for much longer. They had to go home. So 
A lot of folks are concerned, and there have been some meetings and uh, some public forums, and wow, you're looking at in a moment Mike Baker. Uh, he's the owner of a company called Slave to Liberty, and he's also, well, deeply concerned about voting rights in America, and he came and spoke and blew not only that room away, but half the planet away. His comments went mega, mega viral, and we'll play them in their entirety in a moment. But first, Matt Baker, welcome to uh, Newsmax. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. And yourself? I'm okay. I'm all right. And uh, look, thank you for uh, what you did the other night. It was inspiring to me because I've been kind of depressed after last Tuesday. Um, do me a favor. Tell us a little bit about the reaction so far. Well, like I said, it's, um, it's Thanksgiving week, and so I've got plenty to give thanks for. I am glad that the American people and even the people of the world actually are waking up and that my words have inspired people, and I'd like to continue to do that by reminding everyone and the people millions of comments saying, you're doing great, you're doing great. Well, the power of the individual and the power of that First Amendment is within your grasp, too, and you may not reach billions or millions of people, but you can have ripple effects and you can inspire people. Many people have been inspired by me. In other words, other people have spoken before and they lead to other people being inspired who it's a chain reaction of, mm. of awakening that people need to be involved in. And you, you need to get into it on a personal level to really feel the power of it. So if you don't mind, we're going to play the moment. It's been viewed uh probably about 40 million times so far. Take a look at this. The eyes of the world are upon Maricopa County for another botched election. Am I here to accuse you of stealing the vote? Heavens no, for that would make me a terrorist, wouldn't it? Let me ask you, if you took your life savings to a bank and the teller put them in a machine and the machine kicked out one out of four of your bills and the teller said, don't worry, we'll put them in box three over here and we'll let you know how many were in there later. We'll send them off to a separate location and someone will be sure to get back to you and tell you how much money you have. Would you be okay with that? No, you would not be okay with that. Now ask yourself the question, which is more valuable, your vote or your money? Now ask a lobbyist that same question. Now ask a campaign manager that question. Now ask Mark Zuckerberg that question, which is more valuable, your money or your vote or your country or this world or the corruption that is taking over every single county in this nation? And then you look into your own soul and you look back at yourself in the mirror and realize that you are the cancer that is tearing this nation apart. Good day. Awesome. Just awesome. And when you started talking about, you know, campaign consultants and Zuckerberg and what's more important to them, that's when that's when I felt the earth move. Did you have that memorized or straight from the heart? I mean, th that was dazzling. Well, to, to be honest, the, um, 
the metaphor or the analogy I did think of, and then the rest was freestyled. Uh, I, I normally like to talk off the cuff because I feel everything is um, too too packaged and robotic when you when you try to read something or a script or something like that. So I usually feel the room, and and um, I had heard a lot of the other people speaking, and as usual, the um, board of supervisors could literally care less. I mean, you could literally tell them, and I mean this literally because it's happened in our local board of supervisors, a woman talking about how her husband died from COVID protocols and they just go, thank you, next speaker. Yeah, right, right. Next Next, please, check in the block. So that's, it it, it really raises your uh, blood pressure if you're me. uh, You know, the more I see their indifference, the more uh, it enrages me, to be honest. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about that analogy about the money. Hey, do me a favor, the Matt. Vote. If yeah. you can, come back tomorrow. Can you come back tomorrow? I'm, uh, unfortunately, we went a little bit long earlier. But if you have time tomorrow, because I'd like to go a little bit deeper with you. I'm afraid I'm out of time. But uh, tomorrow we won't play the whole clip, and uh, we can pick it up from here. Is that all right? Um, sure. Okay. Check your schedule. No, no, are, do, are we off the air now? Not yet. Actually, no. You're still on TV. And uh, so I'm going to say goodnight for now, and uh, we'll, we'll have a talk after this, okay? All right. Great. Thanks. All right. Many thanks, and we'll be right back. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? Fake news. Some of them are just coming around to reporting what I was telling you two years ago, that the laptop was legitimate. Totally. We had no reason to not believe it and every reason to not believe all those so-called intelligence officials who were saying that it was Russia disinformation. Anyway, CBS finally acknowledged that uh, this appears to be an actual laptop that belonged to Hunter Biden uh, two years later. Uh, Tom Elliott, do you know who this guy is? Uh, He is, I don't know, a social media superstar conservative with a great edit suite and he's extremely talented and he's got uh, records on everything and he put this together and it's kind of amazing take a look go ahead no no i probably best i don't obviously uh we're not going with the uh new york post story uh right now on hunter biden this is really one of the stupidest october surprises i've ever seen it helps to really view this as storytelling not so much as news coverage but as political entertainment npr explained we don't want to waste our time on stories that are not really stories who even thought to make that story up it's a story that many intelligence experts say has all the hallmarks of a foreign interference campaign it looks like it's tied to vladimir putin in moscow this is a russian intelligence disinformation campaign it's foreign intelligence operation foreign intelligence operation russian intelligence rudy giuliani was not fed passively Russian disinformation. He ordered it off the menu. This is a classic example of the right-wing media machine. And he's in the midst of a scandal. He's not. And he's taking... He's of course not. he is, no. Leslie. We should note Hunter Biden isn't running for president. That argument has been debunked. There is no evidence that Joe Biden did anything wrong. For all we know, these emails are made up. It just lacks credibility. Okay, I would love if you guys would start doing that digging and start doing that verification. No, we're not going to do your work for you. Character matters. It matters. Telling the truth matters. Being a good person matters. I don't know why I'm crying. Wow. Put together by Tom Elliott, journalist and founder of Grabian. Good stuff. And we'll be right back. 
Hey, thank you very, very much, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thanksgiving is almost here.